Hello everyone and welcome to the Unanswered Questions True Crime Podcast. I have spent hours and hours investigating this. He basically told her that people have been killed. Journalists, independent investigators, people like that disappeared. It frightened her to the bone. There's more to the story than meets the eye. There were rumors of torture and homicide and sexual abuse, all sorts of egregious, horrendous crimes. He was polygraphed three times. Each of those three showed evasions. His resumes were a skeleton of truth. He was mad at the world, and particularly mad at the government. The study that he commissioned that described a fictional terrorist attack. If people have died over this, it means you're getting close to the truth. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to say, what the fuck? Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of my new podcast, Unanswered Questions, where every week we'll endeavour to discuss a mysterious unsolved case that has many lingering unanswered questions. So I hope you enjoy and as always leave me some feedback on what you think about the show and rate it as well. Now on to the show. This week we'll be talking about the Lost Dutchman's Gold Mine. The Lost Dutchman's Gold Mine, also known by similar names, is according to legend a rich gold mine hidden somewhere in the southwestern United States. The location is generally believed to be in the Superstition Mountains near Apache Junction, east of Phoenix, Arizona. There have been many stories about how to find the mine, and each year people search for the mine. Some have died on the search. The mine is named after German immigrant Jacob Waltz, born 1810 and died 1891, who purportedly discovered it in the 19th century and kept its location a secret. Dutchman was a common American term for a German, Dutch being the English cognate to the German demonium, Deutsch, and not a reference to the Dutch people. The Lost Dutchman's is perhaps the most famous lost mine in American history. Arizona place name expert Bide Granger wrote as of 1977, the Lost Dutchman's story had been printed or cited at least six times more often than two other fairly well-known tales, the story of Captain Kidd's lost treasure and the story of the lost peg leg mine in California. People have been seeking the Lost Dutchman's mine since at least 1892, while according to one estimate, 9,000 people annually made some effort to locate the Lost Dutchman's mine. Former Arizona Attorney General Robert K. Corbin is among those who've looked for the mine. Now we go into the other Lost Dutchman's mines. Robert Blair wrote, quote, There have been at least four legendary Lost Dutchman's gold mines in the American West, including the famed superstition mine of Jacob Waltz, end quote. One Lost Dutchman's mine is said to be in Colorado, another in California, and two are said to be located in Arizona. Tales of these other Lost Dutchman's mines can be traced to at least the 1870s. The earliest Lost Dutchman's mine in Arizona was said to have been near Wickenburg, about 180 kilometers, 110 miles, northwest of the Superstition Mountains. A Dutchman was allegedly discovered dead in the desert near Wickenburg in the 1870s, alongside saddlebags filled with gold. Blair suggested that fragments of this legend have perhaps become attached to the mythical mine of Jacob Waltz. Now we get into the stories about the said mine. Granger wrote that fact and fiction blend in the tales, but that there are three main elements to the story. Quote, they are, first, tales of the lost Apache gold or Dr. Thorne's mine. Second, tales about the lost Dutchman's. And third, stories of the soldier's lost gold vein. The most complete version of the lost Dutchman's story incorporates all three legends. End quote. 
Blair argued that there are kernels of truth at the heart of each of these three main stories, though the popular story is often badly garbled from the actual account. Other theories have materialised that speculate the miners buried at the bottom of Apache or Roosevelt Lake. In 1977, Granger identified 62 variants of the Lost Dutchman story. Some of the variations are minor, but others are substantial, casting the story in a very different light from the other versions. So now we have the Lost Apache Gold or Dr. Thorne's story. In this story, actually two interconnected stories, members of the Apache tribe are said to have a very rich gold mine located in the Superstition Mountains. Famed Apache Jeromino is sometimes referenced in relation to the story. In most variants of the story, the family of a man named Miguel Peltra discovered the mine and began mining the gold there, only to be attacked or massacred by Apaches in about 1850 in the supposed Peraltra Massacre. Years later, a man called Dr. Thomas treats an ailing or wounded Apache, often alleged to be a chieftain, and is rewarded with a trip to a rich gold mine. He is blindfolded and taken there by a circuitous route, and is allowed to take as much gold ore as he can carry before again being escorted blindfolded from the site by the Apaches. Thorne is said to be either unwilling or unable to relocate the mine. Now we come to the truth about the Peltra mine. Most likely because Pedro de Peltra had been the Spanish governor of New Mexico in the 1600s, his family name of Peltra was the inspiration for a number of legends in the American Southwest. James Rivas tried to assert that the Peltra family had a Spanish land grant and a barony granted by the King of Spain, which included a huge swath of Arizona and New Mexico, including the Superstition Mountains. The Peralta Massacre is a legend that Apaches supposedly ambushed a mining expedition the Peralta family sent into the mountains. Some carved stones in the area are referred to as Peralta stones, and Spanish text and crude maps on them are considered to be by some to be clues to the location of a Peralta family gold mine in the Superstition Mountains, although others believe the stones to be modern fakes. A lack of historical records leaves uncertainty as to whether a Peralta family ever had possession of land or mines in or near the Superstition Mountains. Blair insisted that the Peralta portion of the story is unreliable, writing, and I quote, The operation of a gold mine in the Superstitions by a Peralta family is a contrave of 20th century writers. End quote. A man named Miguel Peralta and his family did operate a successful mine in the 1860s, but near Valencia, California, not in Arizona. The mine was quite profitable, earning about $35,000 in less than one year. Blair described this as an unusually good return for such a small gold mine to earn in such a relatively brief period. As of 1975, ruins of the Peralta mine were standing. However, the Peralta mine eventually became unprofitable, and after the money was gone, Miguel Peralta turned to fraud. Dr. George M. Willing Jr. paid Peralta $20,000 for the mining rights for an enormous swath of land around 3 million acres, 12,000 kilometers squared, in southern Arizona and New Mexico, based on a deed originally granted by the Spanish Empire in the 18th century. Trouble came after Willing learned that the deed was entirely bogus. Despite his efforts, Willing was never able to recover the money he gave to Peralta. This land grant was the basis of the James Rivas Arizona land swindle. Rivas became Willing's partner and continued to try to prove the authenticity of the land grant for years after Willing's death. Blair argued that this Peralta story known to Arizona residents was eventually incorporated in the Lost Dutchman story in a severely distorted version following the renewed interest in the Lost Dutchman's mine in the 1930s. 
Since James Revis, the Baron of Arizona, was convicted of fraud when the Peralta family genealogy and other documents to support the land grant and a barony associated with that land were determined to be forgeries, it also raises questions about the original purchase of the land grant by Dr. George M. Willen Jr. The transaction had supposedly occurred at a primitive campsite to the southeast of Prescott without the benefit of the typical documentation. Instead of a notarized deed, the conveyance was recorded on a piece of greasy camp paper bearing signature of several witnesses. Willing died in 1874 before there had been a thorough investigation of the documents or opportunity to cross-examine him on the stand as was later done with Revis. Now we get into the truth about Dr. Thorne. Another detail which casts doubt on the story is the fact that according to Blair, there was never any Dr. Thorne in the employ of the army or indeed of the federal government in the 1860s. According to Blair, the origin of this story can be traced to a doctor named Thorne who was in private practice in New Mexico in the 1860s. Thorne claimed that he was taken captive by Narvos in 1854 and that during his captivity, he had discovered a rich gold vein. Thorne related his claims to three U.S. soldiers in about 1858. The three soldiers set out to find the gold, but without success. Over the decades, this tale was gradually absorbed into the Lost Dutchman story. Now we get into the Lost Dutchman story. This tale involves two German men, Jacob Waltz and Jacob Weiser. However, Blair argued that there is a strong likelihood there never was a second man named Weiser, but rather that a single person named Waltz was, over the years, turned into two men as the legend of the Dutchman's mine evolved. Blair contended that this story can be divided into hawk and dove versions, depending on whether the Germans are said to behave violently or peacefully. In most versions of the tale, Jacob Waltz locates a rich gold mine in the Superstition Mountains. In many versions of the story, they rescue or help a member of the Peralta family and are rewarded by being told the location of the mine. Waltz is attacked and wounded by marauding Apaches, but survives at least long enough to tell a man named Dr. Walker about the mine. Waltz is also said to have made a deadbed confession to Julia Thomas and draws or describes a crude map to the gold mine. John D. Woolburn, in his book Dutchman's Lost Ledge of Gold, 1990, wrote that the Bulldog Gold Mine near Goldfield, Arizona, fits very well the description Jacob Waltz gave as the location of his lost mine. Furthermore, Woolburn stated that geology indicates that there is no gold in the Superstition Mountains, which are igneous in origin. However, in some versions, the mine is actually a cachet put there by the Peraltas. Now we come to the stories of the soldier's lost gold vein. In yet another version of the tale, two or more U.S. Army soldiers are said to have discovered a vein of almost pure gold in or near the Superstition Mountains. The soldiers are alleged to have presented some of the gold but to have been killed or to have vanished soon after. This account is usually dated to about 1870. According to Blair, the story may have its roots in the efforts of three U.S. soldiers to locate gold in an area of New Mexico, based on an allegedly true story related to them by Dr. Thorne of New Mexico. Now we get into the historical Jacob Walt. Blair cited evidence of the historical Jacob Waltz and suggested that additional evidence supports the core elements of the story. That Waltz claimed to have discovered, or at least heard the story of, a rich gold vein or cachet. But Blair suggested that this core story was distorted in subsequent retellings, comparing the many variants of the Lost Dutchman's story to the game of Chinese Whispers, where the original account is distorted in multiple retellings of the tale. 
There was indeed a Jacob Waltz who immigrated to the U.S. from Germany. The earliest documentation of him in the U.S. is an 1848 affidavit in which Waltz declared himself to be about 38 years old. A man named Jacob Waltz was born in September 1810 in Wattenberg. Blair suggested that this Waltz could be the same Waltz who later came to be regarded as the legendary Dutchman and that he Americanized the spelling of his family name. Note that the tombstone on his grave shows the birth year as 1808. Waltz relocated to Arizona in the 1860s and stayed in the territory for most of the, of the rest of his life. He pursued mining and prospecting but seems to have had little luck with either. An alternate view which benefits the lost mine legend is that he periodically appeared with large amounts of gold. The Sterling legend by S.D. Constia reports that a Jacob Waltz sold $250,000 in gold to the U.S. Mint during the 1880s and had $1,500 when he died in 1891. In 1870, Waltz had a homestead of about 160 acres, 0.65 kilometers squared, near Phoenix where he operated a farm. There was a catastrophic flood in Phoenix in 1891 and Waltz's farm was one of the many that was devastated. Afterwards, Waltz fell ill. He was rumored to have contracted pneumonia during the flooding. He died on October 25th of 1891 after having been nursed by an acquaintance named Julia Thomas. She was actually described as a cordron. Waltz was buried in Phoenix at what is now called the Pioneer Military Memorial Park. Blair had little doubt that Waltz related to Thomas the location of an alleged gold mine. As early as September 1st of 1892, the Arizona Enterprise was reporting on the efforts of Thomas and several others to locate the lost mine whose location was told to her by Waltz. After this was unsuccessful, Thomas and her partners were reported to be selling maps to the mine for $7 each. Now we come to the death of Adolf Ruth. Were it not for the death of amateur explorer and treasure hunter Adolf Ruth, the story of the Lost Dutchman's mine would probably have been little more than a footnote in Arizona history as one of hundreds of lost mines, rumoured to be in the American West. Ruth disappeared while searching for the mine in the summer of 1931. His skull, with two holes in it identified as bullet holes, was recovered about six months after he vanished, and the story made national news, thus sparking widespread interest in the Lost Dutchman's mine. In a story that echoes some of the earlier tales, Ruth's son, Erwin C. Ruth, was said to have learned of the Petrolta mine from a man called Perado Pedro Gonzalez, or Gonzalez. According to the story, in about 1912, Erwin C. Ruth gave some legal aid to Gonzalez, saving him from almost certain imprisonment. In gratitude, Gonzalez told Erwin about the Petrolta mine in the Superstition Mountains and gave him some unique maps of the site. Gonzalez claimed to be descended from the Petrolta family on his mother's side. Erwin passed the information to his father Adolf, who had long-standing interest in lost mines and amateur exploration. The elder Ruth had fallen and badly broken several bones while seeking the lost peg leg mine in California. He had middle pins in his leg and used a cane to help him walk. In June of 1931, Ruth set out to locate the Lost Petrolta mine. After travelling to the region, Ruth stayed several days at the ranch of Tex Barkley to outfit his expedition. Barclay repeatedly urged Ruth to abandon his, his search for the mine because of the terrain of the Superstition Mountains was treacherous, even for experienced outdoorsmen, let alone for the 66-year-old Ruth in the heat of the Arizona summer. 
However, Ruth ignored Barclay's advice and set out for a two-week stint in the mountains. Ruth did not return as scheduled and no trace of him could be found after a brief search. In December 1931, the Arizona Republic reported on the recent discovery of a human skull in the Superstition Mountains. To determine if the skull was Ruth's, it was examined by Dr. Alice, I'm going to butcher this name, Hydrilica, a well-respected anthropologist who was given several photos of Ruth along with Ruth's dental records. As Kurt Gentry wrote, Dr. I'm going to butcher this name, Hydrilka positively identified the skull as that of Adolf Ruth. He further stated after examining the two holes in the skull that it appeared that a shotgun or high-powered rifle had been fired through the head at almost point-blank range, making the small hole where the bullet entered and the large hole when it exited. In January 1932, human remains were discovered about three quarters of a mile, 1.21 kilometers, from where the skull had been found. Though the remains had been scattered by scavengers, they were undoubtedly Ruth's. Many of Ruth's personal effects were found at the scene, including a pistol, not missing any shells, and the metal pins used to mend his broken bones. But the map to the Petrolta mine was said to be missing. Tantalizingly, Ruth's checkbook was also recovered and proved to contain a note written by Ruth wherein he claimed to have discovered the mine and gave detailed directions. Ruth ended his note with the phrase, Veni vidi vici. Authorities in Arizona did not convene a criminal inquest regarding Ruth's death. They argued that Ruth had probably succumbed to thirst or heart disease, though as Gentry wrote, one official went so far as to suggest that Adolf Ruth may have committed suicide. While this theory did not ignore the two holes in the skull, it did fail to explain how Ruth had managed to remove and bury the empty shell, then reload his gun after shooting himself through the head. End quote. Blair noted that the conclusion of the Arizona authorities was rejected by many, including Ruth's family and those who held on to the more romantic murdered for the map story. Blair wrote that the National Wire Services picked up the story of Ruth's death and ran with it for more than it was worth, possibly seeing the mysterious story as a welcome reprieve from the bleak news that was otherwise typical of the Great Depression. Now we get into the other searches for the mine. Throughout the 20th century, various expeditions and individuals continued to search for the superstitions for the Lost Dutchman Mine. One of the most professional and serious-minded efforts was led by Oklahoma City private detective Glenn McGill, who organized multiple expeditions in the late 1960s and early 70s and claimed on at least two occasions to have identified the location of the mine. Later, to concede he was either mistaken or the locations were played out or bereft of gold. McGill's adventures were chronicled in the book The Killer Mountains by Kurt Gentry. One fact against the existence of Lost Dutchman Mine is that Waltz was a placer miner. While the gold pieces he had were in quartz, the Superstition Mountains are in fact volcanic. Lastly, the alleged mine directions Ruth had were from an 1895 newspaper account. Now we get into other deaths and disappearances. Since Ruth's death, there have been several other deaths or disappearances in the Superstition Mountains. Some searches for the mine have disappeared in likely wilderness accidents. First, we have January 1933, a mining electrician named J.A. Tex Bradford of Globe, Arizona, went in search of the Lost Dutchman Mine. By October 1933, he'd been missing for nine months. In his 1945 book about the Lost Dutchman's Mine, Thunder's, Thunder God's Gold, Barry Storm, pen name of John Griffith Clemenson, claimed to have narrowly escaped from a mysterious sniper he dubbed Mr. X. Storm further speculated that Adolf Ruth might have been the victim of the same sniper. 
July 3rd, 1947, James A. Cravey, age 62, a retired photographer, was reported missing after he had chartered a helicopter June 19th of 1947 to drop him off in the Superstition Mountains to look for the lost Dutchman's mine. Cravey said he would walk out of the mountains on June 28th, 1947. In the mid-1940s, the headless remains of prospector James A. Cravey were reportedly discovered in the Superstition Mountains. He had allegedly disappeared after setting out to find the lost Dutchman's mine. In late November or early December 2009, Denver resident Jesse Kappen, 35, went missing in the Tonto National Forest. His campsite and car were found abandoned shortly afterward. He was known to have been obsessed with finding the mine for several years and had made previous trips to the area. Kappen's body was found in November 2012 by a local search and rescue organization, wedged into a crevice. The program Disappeared covered the case, mentioning others, in the episode The Dutchman's Curse. On July 11, 2010, Utah hikers Curtis Merwath, 49, and Ardine Charles, 66, and Malcolm Meeks, 41, went missing in the Superstition Mountains looking for the mine. Merwath had become lost in the same area in 2009, requiring a rescue. On July 19th, the Maricopa County Sheriff's Department called off the search for the lost men. They presumably died in the summer heat. In January 2011, three sets of remains believed to be those of the lost men were recovered. Now we come to Lost Dutchman State Park. In 1977, 292 acres, 118 hectares, abutting the Tonto National Forest, was set aside as the Lost Dutchman State Park. The park was expanded to 320 acres, 130 hectares in 1983. It is easily accessible about 40 miles east of Phoenix via US Highway 60, the Superstition Freeway. Hiking and camping are popular activities. There are several paths that go through the bush and cacti. The short discovery trail is a clear route with several placards giving the natural history of the area. To this day, the Lost Dutchman's Mine and the gold it's said to contain it's never been located or found, and the story has never been proven to be true or a hoax. With that, this case remains open, but with many unanswered questions that still remain unanswered. Please rate the show and let me know what you guys think about this and the many other cases I've covered. You can follow me on all major social media platforms, YouTube, BitChute, Dailymotion. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Links are all down below in the description. If you have a case you'd like me to have a look at or cover, don't hesitate to send me a message. I'm your host, and this has been the Unanswered Questions Podcast. Until next time, next on Unanswered Questions. The Mad Gasser of Maternity also known as the anesthetic prowler, phantom anaesthetist, or simply the mad gasser, was the name given to the personal people believed to be responsible for a series of apparent gas attacks that occurred in Mattoon, Illinois during the mid-1940s. 